Hello, and welcome back to Mastering Metail, a podcast masterclass on how to succeed in the world of e-commerce brought to you by Essential Digital Commerce. Today, we're talking packaging. Because you clicked on this episode, I'll bet that you're interested in hearing about packaging in e-commerce. If you accidentally made it here, don't click away. Packaging is a pretty critical element of e-commerce, and we're here to show you why. For this episode, I brought in an expert, someone who knows a whole lot about packaging, who happens to work for a company that even sells a whole line of packaging. I'm Scott Erickson. I'm the senior account manager here at 3M on the Amazon account. And I'm Emma Irwin, senior editor and specialist at Essential. I've personally always thought of packaging as an interesting piece of the puzzle for e-commerce. What determines whether or not what I ordered shows up in an Amazon box or a box from the brand? Why do I sometimes get a huge box with a tiny thing in it? What are the logistics of Amazon deliveries when there's a mix of really large and really small things that need to get packed into a truck or two or three? Stick around and all your questions will be answered. Let's go back to Scott and hear about his career and how he ended up knowing so much about packaging. I've kind of had a wide variety of both sales and marketing careers. I've been uh, started off kind of actually in sports marketing, but then eventually worked my way into a brand role at Land Lakes. And then made a transition over to 3M, kind of back into consumer. One of the trends that was coming up, and this was back in 2015, 2016, this is kind of when Amazon was starting to take off and there was a lot of change and a lot of thought around e-commerce opened up on our Amazon team. And I thought, hey, you know what? This is something new, something different, something to learn. And so kind of made that transition at the end of 2016. And I've been kind of riding this e-commerce Amazon thing for the last six years. It's been great. I've learned a lot. There's always something to learn. There's always something new. And um, it's really been a fun time. What do you do on a kind of daily basis when you're running an Amazon account? What is that like? What is your main responsibility? Overall, responsible for driving the sales number. But driving the sales number at Amazon is really how do we make sure that we are most relevant on the site to drive sales off of the platform? So how are we winning the buy box? How are we showing up on page one? What are the deals we're running? How are we performing during whether the latest P's event or Prime Day or coming up to T5? What are those activities and what are the promotions and things like that that are really going to drive consumers to purchase your product and how are you going to win compared to all the other alternatives that are on the site? My next question for you, as we're on the topic of Amazon, Mm -hmm. is what is the last thing you purchased from Amazon? So right now, I haven't quite pulled the trigger on it yet, but I am the equipment manager for my daughter's softball association. So I have a really exciting basket of stuff right now about some tanner tees and some bonnets and some things like that to help for our softball association. So, you know, it's one of these things I don't buy a whole lot of personal thing. I'm kind of in this mode of not buying a whole lot of stuff right now. I think we kind of went through that phase of everything else. So, but definitely it is the go-to source for everything according to sports equipment. For sure. For sure. And it's interesting. We usually ask people to give us something that's like on their digital wish list that they just haven't purchased yet and why, except you gave me something that's on in your cart that you haven't purchased yet. But I'm going to ask you to think about something that like you actually want that's not softball equipment for a softball <laughs> so, association. Uh, the one thing I'm <laughs> but waiting not, Don't answer. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Don't answer it yet. We're going to come back to it okay. at the end because okay. it gives me a good way to like close out the conversation. So. Just think about it, something that you actually want. And it doesn't have to specifically be from Amazon. Okay. To kick off our conversation, I'm going to give you Scott's straightforward answer to the importance of packaging. 
I think when we think about winning in e-com, we think about the product and how and where it shows up on site. But a lot goes into how the product is shipped to Amazon, and then there's still a whole customer journey happening once that box gets to the shopper's door. I think the biggest thing is how do you view your packaging? If it, if you're not viewing packaging in an e-commerce channel, I mean, a lot of people obviously packaging in brick and mortar is very, very important and it communicates a lot of things. But if you're not thinking about the same way you communicate to your consumer through your e-commerce packaging or what is arriving at the doorstep as you are, as somebody is looking at the product on the shelf, you're missing an opportunity to create that experience and that that connection with the consumer right from the beginning. And then I think you really, the next step is, okay, what do you need to accomplish? Is there a way that you, you need to reduce fines? Okay, so can the packaging solve that basic needs of reducing fines? So then go from the next level from there is, okay, what are the things that we can do to improve whether, again, it doesn't necessarily even have to be Amazon's profitability, but any e-commerce retailer's profitability through making that fulfillment center process more efficient. So can you reduce the number of times it's touched? Can you reduce the number of boxes? Can you reduce the amount of tape? Can you reduce the cube space in the warehouses and in the trucks? So there's all those different levels of both the consumer benefit and the retailer benefit in the e-commerce channel that you have to be thinking about. And then really at the end of the day is that you have to make sure that the product that is delivered is protected and not going to have damage and those types of things. So you can't necessarily sacrifice protection of the product just to make the brand experience better. Thanks, Scott. There was one more thing I wanted to cover before we further dug in. I hear a lot about e-com specific packaging. But what does that really mean? Which part of the packaging is made specific? Is there a methodology to creating this? Scott had me covered and even tied in an example using Command, a line of 3M products. And don't worry, that SIOC or SIOC will be explained shortly. Yeah, I think e-commerce packaging is how do you create the package that has the least amount of, of plastic or, or, or extra packaging at the same time communicates a value to the consumer. So for example, our command portfolio, you know, what you'll see in the store, you'll see typically a piece of cardboard with the command product in it with some sort of a plastic bubble on top of it. Really the, the products that we drive to sell on Amazon, we, we still have some of those, but a majority of our portfolio is actually in SIOC envelopes. So really it's a recyclable padded envelope that has the product in there, whether it's the, whether it's the strips or the hooks or, or whatever. And then it has a cardboard insert that kind of takes the place of the branding part that you would see at the store along with the instructions and everything else. And so there is a value to it from that standpoint. But the other part of what we find value and not only for command, but also things like felt pads and things like this, it actually creates a a, a way for consumers to just store the product. Because again, a lot of times when people buy things like Command or felt pads or whatever, they don't use the entire package right at that single time. They might use half of it, three quarters of it, but then they have some left over. Well, the e-commerce packaging allows them to just take that product and put it on the shelf in their closet or, or put it in the drawer or whatever. And then that can, you know, it's always there. So they don't have to look for another place to store it. 
So now you've got a bit of a grasp on packaging. I'm going to break things down further into a couple of specific focuses while using a packaging initiative out of Amazon called Sioc. Again, you'll get a definition in a second, don't worry, to tie it all together. As you've already heard, packaging provides an opportunity to reach shoppers at another touchpoint of the journey, i.e. the actual opening of the delivered box. Packaging can help a manufacturer reduce fines that tie back to packaging, and packaging can help the retailer drive efficiency in shipping and delivery while bringing more sustainable practices to life. Geez, that was a lot of me talking. Sorry. Let's give the spotlight back to Scott to finally tell us about SIOC. SIOC ship in its own container, which basically means that it's an item that is over nine inches by six inches without an Amazon overbox. And so it really allows Amazon, when they receive the product, they can just load it into their warehouse. And then when they ship the product, all they have to do is put the consumer label on it and it goes out. So they don't have to overbox it. They don't have to put extra bubble wrap or anything in it. So it really reduces greatly the amount of effort that needs to be handled at the FC. Oh, sorry, Scott. Do you mind hanging on for a minute? I think there's someone at the door with a package. No problem. Good afternoon. This is This Week Above the Fold. What is going on? Your weekly source for the top three e-commerce headlines and what they mean for your business in seven minutes or less. Seven minutes or less? Wow. I'm Emma Irwin, Senior Editor and Specialist at Essential. Hey, that's me. And I'll be talking to experts from Essential Digital Commerce who will help you extract the most important insights from the most important stories. So like an e-commerce news podcast. Our experts will answer questions such as why the headlines are important, nice. what immediate actions are required for brands and manufacturers, and the long-term impact of these stories on the industry all in just seven minutes. Listeners, you should check that out because it's live on all streaming platforms. Tune in today to This Week Above the Fold. All right, that was a pretty good package. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Back to packaging. Because we're a podcast... Can you try and describe what an item that actually ships in its own container looks like when it shows up at someone's doorstep? So a lot of the times it will look very similar to, like I said, like on our furnace filter boxes, it will very much ship and look very similar to just a brown box with some 3M and filtry branding on it instead of an Amazon typical branding on it. What we do like with our command product line, a lot of those are in their own individual shipper, padded shipper envelopes. So instead of it maybe looking like the Amazon padded envelope with the white and blue on it, it would be a command envelope that will have command logos on it and it will be, you know, have command in red on the envelope. But it will look very similar to just what you would normally see from a an Amazon shipper envelope. And here's where we get a glimpse of the brand experience I mentioned earlier. Well, I think number one, it's the first thing that somebody sees on their doorstep. You know, so like when you sent me this microphone for this podcast, it showed up on my doorstep yesterday. The box was damaged. It was kind of dirty. It was kind of, it didn't present itself as containing something that has any value in it. So if you really think about the packaging being the same thing as your store shelf in a brick and mortar world, that box sitting on the step is your first 
thought process of what that product is and how that product is perceived, even though once you open it up, you think something different possibly. But the way it's visually appeared on the doorstep is actually quite important on how you perceive what's going to be inside. Don't you kind of know what's already inside the box, though? Yes and no, but it also creates an opportunity to change and delight. So let's, for example, we have a product that's like our, it's called WorkTunes. And it's a hearing protection product. It has an AM radio, it's Bluetooth connected, et cetera, et cetera. We created an SIOC box for it. So when people receive the box, the box has some nice branding on the outside of it that talks about what it is and everything else. But then when you open up the box, it actually, we, we designed the inside of the box so it looks very similar to what you would expect from a Beats or a Bose experience. So you wouldn't think about that when you're buying a headset that is half the price or, or so of, of those top brands. But having that same experience when you open up the box as one of those top brands changes your perception of what you're buying. Narration Emma here. Okay, hear me out on this mic box. Was this a great repping of our company? Maybe not, but I don't have any essential branded boxes. Real thing here though, is that I send these mics all over the place and I'm usually on a strict timeline. So sometimes I just tape a new label over the old and send the box on its way, as long as it's not wet and still resembles a box. But to Scott's point, the packaging does really matter. And now we'll cover those other areas that packaging impacts from finances, which relates to fines from Amazon for reasons such as Amazon needing to bag a product once it arrives, taping, bubble wrap, a suffocation warning, stickering, the whole nine yards, to efficiency and beyond. I asked Scott about why 3M takes this seriously and put some thought and monetary investment behind this. Well, obviously there are things that we've been able to do to reduce fines dramatically. I mean, you look at something like the furnace filter business, the $1.99 fine for every single package we send through Amazon was not a sustainable financial thing. So yes, there were some incremental cost in creating the box in the right way so it would survive shipping and everything else. But obviously it was less than the impact of what Amazon's fine was. And kind of, kind of going back to that carrot and stick component of, of Amazon, it's like, yep, there was the stick of, hey, you don't want to get that fine. But at the same time, Amazon right now, and it might be late too late for a lot of people to take advantage of it, but they do have an SIOC or an FFP, which is called frustration-free packaging, which is basically means it's fully curbside recyclable compared to SIOC. But they do actually have a program out there right now that if you can actually get the product certified by the end of this year, Amazon will actually provide incentive to companies like ours to, to get their product more efficient and more sustainable. What would be a reason that a brand manufacturer wouldn't be trying to follow this initiative? You know, a lot of people, depending on their supply chains and their manufacturing and also the amount of product that they sell through Amazon, you know, if, if Amazon is not a large component of their portfolio, having dedicated inventory, dedicated packaging, dedicated lines or something like that might not be efficient for brands to do, but there are other ways of doing it. So I think, you know, people have to kind of look at it and say, hey, you know what, what is the reason to do this from both a sustainability and packaging standpoint and how does that impact their operations? Because, you know, operations, you don't want to lose a whole lot of efficiency on things to try to save a little bit of money on one end. Makes sense. And why do you think Amazon has been pushing the SIOC initiative? Well, obviously, you know, 
for them not to have to touch the product and repackaging it over label, it saves them money. I think it also, I think Amazon ha- understands the, the value of sustainability also. So they have their own initiatives around trying to cut down on packaging costs and, and extra tape and extra bubble wrap and things like that running through their system. And then also typically it probably lowers the amount of cube space that they need for their truck. So if our product is efficiently packed in a box, instead of it having to be packed in another box on top of another box, their trucks probably run more efficient, their warehouses run more efficient, everything is more efficient. And obviously that drives a lot of profitability and everything else for them. A manufacturer that's partaking in the initiative, is that some kind of leverage that you can use when you're doing your vendor negotiations and that you're helping out Amazon? You know, it's one of those things where we look at it in two ways. Obviously, when you're working with your vendor managers, they're going to, you know, whoever you work with at Amazon, there's going to be always conversations around the net PPM. SIOC and packaging initiatives do not really help the net PPM number when you're negotiating at that level. However, it does help in Amazon's overall efficiency and profitability. So if you can kind of take a look and say, hey, you know what, if you have an SILC initiative, you're making their warehouses and their things more efficient. And so they are seeing profitability improvements with your product line further down their P&L. So the real question is, is how do you communicate that value to the people you're negotiating with or you're talking to about the your net PPM or your AVN conversations? So, you know, you kind of have to do the math yourself to kind of figure out what your benefit is, but we definitely do bring it up every time we have our conversations with not only our vendor managers, but, you know, the cat leads and stuff of how we're leaning into this initiative, how we think that it's valuable, how we think that it's improving sustainability. So again, it, it gets that conversation away from just a financial metric of what's your net PPM right now. Scott mentioned sustainability in there, so I'll have him elaborate because this is something that I, as a youngish person, care deeply about and we haven't covered yet. We have a sustainability initiative around any new product that we launch should have some sustainability initiative built within it, whether that is reducing packaging or creating operational efficiencies and reducing water or or some some elements. So from a 3M perspective, we really look at sustainability as a critical component of any new product launch and anything that we're really working on. So it really helps from a standpoint with e-commerce that we can incorporate environmental or sustainability app, you know, things like SIOC within what we're trying to accomplish. Now for some fun. What is the best product packaging you've ever seen show up to your doorstep? I think actually, I haven't ordered one right now, but I did see a picture. So I saw this thing where Tide has come out with some different packaging for their detergent, where they have started ta- like taking some of the water out of their detergent and trying to ship product that way. I think Procter & Gamble does a fantastic job of of looking at different ways of shipping, especially things like that, that are a lot of water or things like that. So I, I do commend, I think P&G does a very good job of of doing a lot of different things. What is the worst packaging you've seen show up to your doorstep? My mic doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> 
the biggest thing I see with the Amazon is that there'll be a big, huge box and there'll be one little teeny thing in it. Yeah. That's, I think, it. it's not that it's bad. It just seems to me is such a waste. And I think in, in this world, wasting cardboard, wasting tape, wasting the cube space in the trucks, it just it's just inefficient. And I think this is the, the biggest opportunity for, for e-commerce in general is how do we minimize that cost and that impact as much as possible. Let's begin to wrap things up. Here are Scott's closing thoughts on the matter. You know, a lot of people love to think about their e-commerce platform. And let's face it, we all are attracted to the shiny new thing. So we love talking about what's the new DSP thing? What's the new marketing cloud thing? What's the new AMS? What's all that new stuff at kind of the top of the pyramid type of stuff? But, you know, a lot of brands started thinking about just top of the pyramid stuff and going back and thinking about the bottom of the pyramid, thinking about your supply chain, thinking about your packaging, thinking about those types of things is just as important to success on Amazon and, and all e-commerce as the top fun, exciting, glitzy things that a lot of people talk about now. And I think a lot of people, especially in this uh, post-COVID world, I think a lot of people expanded and drove e-commerce during COVID and they didn't put much thought into the packaging or the supply chain or those types of elements. They were just concerned about getting stuff out the door and getting things in. And now is a time just to kind of step back and take a look at saying, hey, are we doing the right things with packaging? Are we doing the right things with supply chain to build that e-commerce business for the future, as opposed to just focusing on the latest glitzy thing at the top of the pyramid? My last question for you, we're coming back to the digital wish list question and something that you just won't purchase and why it just lives in a cart, sadly. Actually, I'm just waiting to pull the trigger. So I want a Sonos soundbar and we finished our basement during the whole COVID thing, just kind of got the TV set up and just got everything set up. So I just, I'm waiting to get the Sonos soundbar and I was kind of waiting for winter to set in because I want to make sure that I can pair it and do the right thing so I can you know use my elliptical once it hits the snow and everything else so it's sitting there the other problem with Sonos and stuff is it doesn't really ever go on deal so you just kind of hope that it you know sometime it will just go on deal and you can hit a button and grab it quick for a deal but knowing full well it's not going to be so you just have to bite the bullet at some time and do it and that wraps up another episode of Mastering Retail. As always, thank you for listening and thank you to Scott Erickson of 3M for joining me. Please do follow us on the platform of your choice and leave a rating or review or both. It really helps us out. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design from Ina Satenji. If you didn't at least learn something here, I don't quite believe you. I guarantee that the next time you see a box on your porch, we've ignited some kind of fire to think deeper about that box. See you next time.